Hello and welcome to That Adventure Podcast with me, JJ Giro. On today's show, we've got Andrea Mason, who has done some pretty incredible things and I'm going to just cut to the chase because it's that exciting. I'm very excited about it. So here it goes. Bye. Thank you very much for coming on to the podcast and agreeing to chat to me about what you've been up to. So uh, can you just introduce yourself and give me one truth and one lie about yourself and I'll try and guess which one's which. Ooh, okay. Uh, so I'm Andrea Mason. Um, I am, I would say, an, an ultra-endurance athlete that likes to do lots of crazy challenges that we'll, yeah. we'll talk about. Um, one truth and one lie. I think I've done a lot of things in my life that all sound like they should be lies, but let's give it a go. <laughs> Uh, I so I used to be a downhill mountain bike in national champion and nice. up until my sea to summit extreme last year I had never swam more than five kilometers in open water hmm I just because I want the mountain biking to be true, I reckon it's you haven't swum the five kilometres in open water. Is the truth or the lie? I reckon that's the truth. That's the truth, it is, yeah. Is it? <laughs> oh, wow, excellent. Right, so you've got to tell me about the mountain biking because I'm quite into it myself, recently getting into it. And uh, we went to a big bike park in well, bike park Wales um, towards the end of last year, which has a load of good downhill trails. I was on the completely wrong bike and all the vibration was basically making my wheel fall off. So that was good fun. <laughs> I bet, I bet. But the mountain biking was the lie. Oh, that was the lie? Yes. Um, yeah, it was, isn't it? I'm just so, I'm getting it. I'm so getting I, myself I can't, confused. I can't can give you, do you any mountain advice biking? on mountain biking no. <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, God, I'm just... Honestly, I'll tell you what, every time I do a recording, I'm making mess-ups. I just get confusing myself, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it provides a little bit of entertainment because people can laugh at my expense. <laughs> but yeah, so the truth was you couldn't, you hadn't swum over five kilometres. So how far had you swum? The longest I'd swam was 3.8 kilometres in an Ironman triathlon. So I'd, I've done a lot of swimming, uh, so it'd be yeah. fair to, it would be unfair to say that I couldn't swim more than five kilometers. I could certainly swim yeah. more than five. I just never swam more than five or more than 3.8 in open water. Okay, fair enough. So obviously, as you said, you've done Ironman triathlons, which are just a completely different breed of person has to do then. <laughs> so what got you into that? Have you always been outdoorsy or did it come to you a little bit later? I, so I've always, I've always taken part competitively in, in sport since, since I was really small, um, starting with swimming, just pool swimming. I was a, a national pool swimmer and running. I, d I did a lot of running as well, but I didn't actually ever do any triathlons. I okay. started, well, actually, my very first triathlon was an Ironman. I hadn't, oh my goodness. I hadn't ridden, <laughs> I hadn't ridden a bike since I was probably about eight years old, I think. And I, <laughs> a friend, a friend of mine, her daughter was, was very sick and we needed to raise some money for her to get some 
urgent medication that could only be uh, funded or could only be got in the USA. So we were all rattling together to try and do things as a fundraising campaign to enable her to get that medication. So I decided crazily that I was going to do an Ironman. Oh my God. I can swim, I can run, surely I can ride a bike. It can't be that hard to ride a bike for 180 kilometres. Well, it was the worst day of my life. I can assure you. Where did you do it? It was was Wales. So I did Ironman Wales, which is one of the hardest ones on the circuit, with (laughs) barely, absolute minimal training. At this point, I had stopped swimming, and I hadn't been swimming for maybe 10 years. I wasn't really running. I was I was always still keeping fit. I was always doing things. I'd, I'd be in the gym and doing re- you know, runs maybe once or twice a week, but certainly not Ironman training fit. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I did this Ironman. I think I had three punctures on the bike it, oh. dur- during the race. I didn't have a clue how to change a puncture. I did by the end of it. Mm. As, yeah. I got to the third yeah. puncture. I, I was pretty efficient at, at changing a yeah. puncture. And I hated it that much that I put my bike, and it was a cheap bike, just to clarify, um, <laughs> on a bonfire because I hated it that much. No way. <laughs> <That's>... sw- <laughs> you were determined not to do it again. Yeah, I swore I would never do another one. And now I think I've done... 11 maybe <laughs> oh my goodness that is that is insane so the training you must be doing for that must be pretty insane are you have you been keeping up with it whilst over over the lockdown period have you been sort yeah, of training for these sort of I have so surprisingly I've been able to maintain quite a lot of fitness during lockdown that's good uh, I think I'm, I'm quite I'm quite happy sat on the indoor trainer so indoor okay, trainer being yeah. what you put your bike on to to be able to ride indoors I, yeah and i've seen i think i've seen some photos on instagram of you doing that actually yeah yeah i'm quite everyone thinks i'm crazy which i, I think i am too but I, <laughs> I i really i don't mind sitting and sweating on the indoor trainer because it makes me feel like i'm really working hard that's it, and I think a lot of people don't like to sweat, and I find that quite odd. I mean, I don't. It's a really disgusting thing to say, but I'm quite a sweaty person. It doesn't take mm. much to get me sweaty. I'll walk up the stairs and I'll be sweating. Like, I mean, yeah, so I'm yeah. quite used to it. Same. So I'll go all day and just be a disgusting mess. Whereas a lot of people, they just they don't want to try too hard because then they might sweat. I'm like, well, you're not going to really achieve much then, are you? If you're not, <laughs> if no, you don't want to sweat. No, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. so I've been able to been able to ride the trainer quite a bit which which is great i've we're because we're over in south africa at the minute we are fortunate enough to have a little tiny like plunge pool in our garden which is just big enough for me to end to end fit my body in and tie myself to the wall with a bit of washing line put a belt around the washing line and I'm able to swim on the spot 
which is oh wow yeah so I'm I'm still I'm still able to do some swimming it it's pretty dull so yeah I'm not doing that much and it's you know, maybe you know, a couple of hours a week maximum okay yeah yeah, so but, it's good though, but it's 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 good that you ma- you're managing to keep on top of it because hmm. obviously in South Africa you've got a completely different lockdown to what we have over here in England, and uh, I think you'd you'd be forgiven if you decided no, not going to train during this period because you can't get out anywhere. But I think it's hats off to you for uh, <laughs> being able to keep up with it. Thanks. No, I I think I would I would go insane if. I wasn't able to exercise. Uh, That's. I think for people who do, you get the bug for it, don't you? And it yeah. just feels wrong if you're not if you're not doing it. It just doesn't. It's not right at all, is it? No, absolutely. And we're like you said, it is. Um, the lockdown here is is a lot stricter at the minute. So we're yeah. we're not allowed outside to exercise. Well, well, we're not allowed outside at all. So it it makes it makes it a lot more difficult. And you have to become mm, quite quite inventive in what you are doing indoors, which makes it fun. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Keeps you thinking, keeps you on your toes. Um, so let's get on to your Sea to Summit, because mm. this is your, your grand adventure you did last last year, was it? It was, yes, last yeah, September. So you had a, a couple of training accidents, didn't you? Can you tell us a little bit about, about those? I did, I did. So I... Same as this year, I moved to South Africa for six months last year as well, um, primarily so that I could continue training for my CETA Summit, because obviously the bulk of my training that I needed to do would have been in the UK winter. So I wouldn't Mm. have been able to swim outdoors in the sea. Riding on the bike is a bit miserable when it's raining and windy and (laughs) so my husband and I decided that we would we would move to South Africa uh, for six months we absolutely fell in love with the place but I did yeah while we were here I did have a couple of accidents both being biking accidents cycling accidents the first one I was in a race um, a, a cycling stage race over five days And on the last day, I got blown off my bike by a lorry, a a lorry that was coming past far too close, um, far too quickly. Just the the sheer force of the lorry going past me blew me off my bike. Um, I ended up in in the middle of the road, unconscious in the middle of the road with a extremely broken arm. My, My right arm was pretty much shattered from elbow down into my fingers so I had to have surgery for that that was in March so I think it was the second week of March last year so I had to have a lot of metal work put in there and um, put back together basically and that meant that I wasn't able to to swim for quite a while so I was as soon as the stitches were out, I was able to get in the water and use a kickboard. I was able to get on again on the trainer, which thinking about it is probably the other reason why I don't mind training indoors. I had a lot of practice last year. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much at the same time last year. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, so that, that was in March. And at that point, my CETA summit was supposed to be in July. And okay. I was I was still, because I was able to keep up with some training, I was still on track to be able to, to make the date in July. But mm. then, again, this is the stuff you couldn't make up that, that I said yeah. at the beginning, that everything sounds like it could be a lie. But the very first time... I got back on my bike uh, outdoors. So I'd been on the bike indoors trainer, but the very first time I got back on, I got blown off um, again by the wind because I was down. I wasn't even riding though. This is the frustrating part. I was oh, doing wow. a photo shoot for Sea to Summit and I was just on my bike going, heading towards the camera. I got my back wheel got blown off and I... I fell off and I landed straight on the arm um, oh. and unfortunately where the metal was, where one of the pins was, it I hit that pin and it just ah. shattered my arm in, in different places. So it wasn't the same break. I hadn't, I didn't then mm. create exactly the same break. I had two different breaks which then required more surgery. So I was <laughs> ru- rushed goodness. into hospital again. Um, a lot of expensive medical bills that my husband yeah. wasn't so happy about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that was, I'm trying to think, that was at the very end of April, probably about this day last year, I think. Oh, crikey. Very, very did you similar. Think, did you think that, oh, I just won't do it. I just won't, I won't carry on because it is not meant to be or anything like that. I don't think, no, I don't think I ever thought that. I think in the first couple of days after the second break, I would, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't thinking. I, I don't know when I can do this now. I don't okay. know. I don't know how. I don't think I ever thought I can't do this though. Um, the my first thought was really around the swim because when you're um signing up to swim across the english channel you have to get a boat pilot and Mm. you have to book those boat pilots quite far in advance so it's normally very very difficult once you've been given your slot to change that slot because everybody's Mm. you know there's a lot of people that swim in the same year and there's not many people that you know, don't do that swim. But I was, okay. I was really fortunate. My boat pilot had a slot in September that was available. So I was able really? to then refocus um, and replan to do it in September, which based on the fact that I could keep some fitness up by doing indoor training, um, I worked out that I would be able to to maintain enough fitness to be able to do it in September. Oh, excellent! That that was quite lucky then that you managed to get that. Mm. So, with with your swim then on the on the day of the swim, how how are you feeling and how how did the swim go? Oh, I so my swim I, you've probably seen or maybe seen in in some of my my blog posts, but my my swim ended up being through the night so yeah I, I, did say. <laughs> I started my swim which is 
it's not unusual, but it doesn't happen that often in a year, in a year of channel swimming. Mo most people tend to start their swim in the morning um, mm. or very late at night, which then means they at least get some daylight that they swim into France in. Um, okay. But my, yeah, so my, my swim, the weather wasn't looking great and you need good, you need good conditions to be able to swim across the channel. But equally with my third leg of the challenge being the mountain climb, I also had the weather conditions to factor in when we got to France and when we got to the foot of Mont Blanc. So we were having to weigh it up constantly. It was probably the most stressful part about the whole challenge was mm. knowing or deciding when I was going to start because it, you just have to have... you. In the end, we couldn't go for the most perfect weather conditions. We had to just go for, there's a window, I need to get it done, which means based on the weather that's forecasted for France, I will get there and hopefully the conditions will be good then. Um, mm. So how, I was definitely feeling stressed. <laughs> um, I'm sure. <laughs> but the minute we made the decision, right, we're going, I'm going, I'm starting at six o'clock. Then I was, I was okay. I was pretty relieved. Um, apart from the fact that I'd never really swam in the dark before. I hadn't thought that one through as well as I should have. I, mm. in my head, I was just always just starting, um, in the morning and I might have to swim for an hour or so in the dark, depending on yeah. how long it took me to swim. But I'd never thought about I have I'm gonna end up swimming the whole way across the English Channel in pitch black in the dark. Um, yeah, that must be very disorientating as you can't sort of see a goal. Exactly, and that that was the bit that um, that I found pretty difficult for the first six hours. No, that that's not true. For the first. For the first hour, it was fine because it was kind yeah. of that dusk light because the sun was okay. setting and it, it was beautiful, actually. It was really, really nice. And then the next four hours after that, once it started to get properly dark, I started to get pretty seasick. Um, so I was, Oof. for about four hours, I was just, yeah, throwing up and not able to keep much down. And it's exactly because of what you said. When you... When you swim in the daylight, you can always have a fixed point of reference on something. Yeah. Um, and so even when you're swimming the channel, you can always see, you can either see Dover behind you or you can see Calais in front of you. Um, and, but when you're in the dark, you don't see anything other than the boat mm. moving up and down. So, and it just, all you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, that and cannot be nice. Your ears just don't you can't stabilize because you're just watching this boat that has a little green light on the side of it. And that's all you can see just going up and down, up and down. So it, oh, it makes God. you feel quite, quite sick. I'm sure it does. How, so how long did the swim take in the end? It was just under 11 hours. So 10 hours, 56. Oh which... God, I bet you were feeling it after that. Oh, I, I was, I definitely was. But in my, 
in my head I was, or in my planning, should I say, I, I was always planning to swim around 12 to 13 hours um, on a good swim. So I actually managed to swim a lot quicker, but that also, oh. that, that also threw me out a little bit while I was swimming because okay. at the time that I had started, I expected to finish when the sun was rising. So I expected to finish in, in daylight. And my boat crew, um, I had, before I started, I, I had a um, rule with them that we mutually agreed that they would never tell me how far I had swam or how long mm. I had left to go at any point oh, in the crikey. swim. All they were able to tell me was, or you know, concentrate on your next feed, which when I'm swimming in open water, I feed every half an hour. So okay. I'm constantly just thinking about the next the next half an hour. Um, what was it you were having? Just liquids. So mm. I had liquid carb powder with uh, tea and honey mixed delicious <laughs> uh, yeah they, they tried at one point to feed me potato and leek soup and i've never oh, right. felt so just the texture in your mouth it was horrible i think i threw it back at them i think that was one yeah. of, one of my few tantrums that i had yeah was definitely <laughs> when they tried to give me leek and potato soup instead of my honey and tea <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So once you've got through your absolutely nightmarish swim for some people, I'd say, for most people that'd be an absolute nightmare going in the pitch black, you've then got to face your cycling. So how how, how did the cycle go? Uh, no crashes? No, no crashes, no mechanicals. It was... Excellent. It was great. Um, it So the ride was harder than I had expected. Um, I have to be honest, okay. it was, for me, as crazy as it sounds, riding the, the 900 kilometers in between was always oh, going to be- so long, isn't it? It's a long way. It's definitely a long way. I, but it was always going to be my rest. And I know that yeah. sounds crazy. It was just active, active rest because yeah. I hadn't, to do the whole thing in the five days, I needed to ride basically 300 kilometers a day. Um, so I factored in three days for the ride, which I would ride seven hours on, five hours off. And I stuck to that schedule. So that, that, part, was, that part was really good. But what mm. I hadn't really, again, factored in, and because I started the swim in the night, then a lot of my riding was in the night as well. So oh, okay. A lot of my riding was actually done when you know the sun had gone down, it was colder, it was dark. Um, I was having to cycle down, you know, canal paths in the pitch black on my own. Um, oh, we we had planned and it was it was a little bit frustrating just because we'd planned the most beautiful ride, scenic ride through you know, some of the most gorgeous parts of France and I didn't get to see mm. hardly any of it because it was dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my. But no, again, I just kept focusing on 
you know, that ride part, the seven hours, um, and then knowing that I was at least going to be getting off the bike. I, yeah. So I had factored in five hours of rest sleep time after each ride stage, but in reality, I didn't sleep very much at all because by the time by the time I got back to the van, so I had a support van, um, just our camper yeah. van. My husband was driving it. Um, we I would have to you know, clean up a little bit, eat a lot of food um, because of the amount of calories that I was burning, and then. Mm. By the time I'd done that, I would probably have about three and a bit hours left to sleep. And then I would go, I would get into bed and my brain would just be ticking over constantly. I've got to sleep, I've got to sleep, I've got to sleep. And the more you tell yourself you have to do something, you can't sleep. The less likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, so in summary, the, the bike, it was tough. It, it was probably the, the toughest leg of, of the challenge, to be honest. Um, yeah. Just because of the lack of sleep, cold, and mm. it's a long way. 900 Ks is, yeah, is a long way on a bike. that is a very, <laughs> very long way. <laughs> so then you get to your mountain. How are you feeling when you get to this stage? I, I was pretty elated in the fact that I had, you know, I had the last stage, just the last stage to come. I was, you know, I was close to home because Carl and I, we we have a house in Chamonix, so we we live um, part of the year in in Chamonix as well. So very, very nice. we were, yeah. It, I was really, I was really excited. I got to see a lot of friends. There were people, you know, waiting for me. That part was was really really good, but. Equally, I am not a mountaineer. I had done no. very little. I had done enough to be safe. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely been out and done mountain days and, and learned how to walk in my crampons. And I had yeah. a guide and, you know, ev- everything was safety-wise, it, it was fine. But yeah. I'm comfortable in the middle of the ocean, in the channel, in the dark. I'm comfortable on my bike. I am not comfortable when I've got crampons on my feet and I've got to climb a mountain. Different experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I was goodness. actually very nervous. Um, yeah. Because I was stepping into the unknown for me there. I didn't know whether it was something that I really could do. And equally, I didn't know how my body was going to react after you know, the four days of, of sleep yeah sleep deprivation going up into altitude um having to concentrate uh but as soon as I started I was it was strange it was like somebody just took over my body and mm. all I was doing was getting to the top and nobody could stop me I just yeah. one foot in front of the other um Carl started with us. We dropped him um, quite quickly. We, my guide and I, that is, and yeah. we'd yeah, we just pushed and pushed and pushed and and got there. That's insane. So how long did that that climb take? Um, I think it was eleven hours. 
Oh, but it's quite good going. Yeah. Going, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 11 Especially hours. Especially after all you've done. Yeah, and we, so we went, um, typically when you climb Mont Blanc, uh, so there's a lot of people that are mountaineers probably know, um, you don't go from the valley floor. So you don't go from town, from Chamonix or Les Uches. Yeah. You get the train part way up and then okay. you start, I think it's at 2,800 meters. I, I can't remember the exact height, but you, yeah. get, you get the train to part way up and then you start from there. You start the climb from there. But because mine obviously was sea to summit, um, yeah. you know, basically human powered, then I chose not to take the train option. So I, I, went, yeah. I went from the bottom, which adds a fair few hours onto it as well yeah yeah that definitely would wouldn't it a couple thousand that's just yeah beyond words okay <laughs> that is absolutely incredible well well done thank you thank you <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure that's what you wanted was it was the well done <laughs> so how did you feel at the end of it was, was it everything you expected was it an anti-climax how how was um, it it was it was amazing it was yeah. to just get to the summit and I had the most spectacular day to climb. Yeah. It was the oh, the weather nice gods views. were definitely on my side because yeah. it was it, it was the be- probably the best day of the year to climb Mont Blanc. Oh, it was lovely. just it was stunning. And so it was it was really, really awesome. I felt amazing to get to the top. But I had to get back down. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so my my challenge my challenge was, you know, for me the finish line was at the top, and I always yeah. I always knew that I had to get back down. So I yeah, know, it's not that I got there and I was like, oh, I hadn't actually thought about the fact that I've now got to get down. But secretly, I was really hoping that maybe my husband had arranged. A helicopter. Yeah. Or, not that we could ever afford that, but yeah. I was hoping that there was some. Yeah, I don't know. I was just or some somebody, grand finale, just so you don't have to walk back down. No, and the thing is, because it was such a good day, because the weather was so good, there were actually when we got to the summit, there were two guys that had hiked up, that had their paragliders, so they were flying. Oh, wow. They were flying off the top. So when I got that to the top, awesome. I was like, oh, he's done it. He's actually arranged for he's someone to fly me off the top and I don't have to walk back down here. But they weren't for me. No. And oh, they didn't that have, would have been gutting. But they would have. One of them, bless him, one of them guys, he was an Italian guy, did say, you know, if he'd have known, he would have brought his yeah. tandem. He, he only had a, a single paraglider. Yeah. So they couldn't do it. But... Oh, that's yeah. a, that would have been the best way to finish, wouldn't it? I, I just I can't think imagine? of anything, especially on a beautiful day, and you get to fly off the mountain. That would just be oh, that, it, oh I can't even imagine how that would have felt. But no. unfortunately, neither can you. To be no, honest. I can't really... either. It was yeah. a oh, so so I had to hike. I had obviously then had to hike back down. Hike back down. Which, yeah, yeah. It, it's quite when you're that tired and saw it you have to concentrate 
So yeah. it was very quick, the, the elation at the top, because yeah. I, I had a long way to go back down. Um, hmm. But eventually, eventually when I got back down, I, so I broke the, the descent, I broke into two. So I descended to the Guta mountain hut and I stayed overnight at the Guta. Oh, um, nice. because I just the next part is the bit that's reasonably technical um, okay. where you do have to you, you do have to concentrate and you need to do it at the right time of day so I did actually I stayed overnight which was really really nice to get the rest but equally yeah. I wanted to see people yeah I'd just done something that yeah, yeah. You know, not many people thought I would be able to do and I just wanted to get down and to be able to have those celebrations but yeah. it made it it made it better I think the anticipation <laughs> um fair enough so the next morning we got up early and we, we we continued with the descent and a lot of my my friends which was really really cool had hiked up in the morning um, so they met me on the mountain for the rest oh, of the lovely. hike back down and they'd brought champagne up and so we, we were able to celebrate the whole way back down, which was really Excellent. cool. Excellent. That is really good. Yeah. So what would you say finishing was the best part or what would you say the best part of the whole, whole journey was? Um, finishing. Yes, absolutely. Just, yeah. just the, the sheer... I'd done it and it was, yeah, it, yeah. That, that was amazing. I think um, on reflection, definitely the the journey to getting there because I had these injuries and yeah. actually starting for me was yeah. the, yeah, the you've biggest gone for a lot to get there. Just, just, getting, just getting to the start and knowing that, I was in the right shape. Um, you know, I, despite everything, I, I was able to to start. I think for me that was mm. that that was probably the the biggest highlight. Yeah. So what what made you want to do it in the first place? Because obviously it's no no not not like oh I just want to go climb Mont Blanc today. It's, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that is one massive very like big logistical challenge. What what made you decide that this is this is what I wanted to do? Um, so a couple of years ago, I had a major surgery for some gynecological conditions, um, okay. endometriosis, which is hmm. a condition that impacts one in ten women. Uh, globally and in the UK it's something that not many people have heard about um, mm. and adamiosis which is an, another um, female reproductive condition and I so I had to have a full hysterectomy at the age of 35 oh, um, not specifically for endometriosis because it's actually mm. not a cure for endometriosis but I had okay. um, adamiosis and large fibroids that, that I had to have removed and I had to have the hysterectomy for. But during having that procedure then, I also found out that I had cervical cancer. 
Oh, um, God, I'm so sorry. So I, for me, while I was recovering, um, you know, after I came out of hospital and I, I was recovering, I, I needed something to train for. I needed something to get better for. Not, not necessarily mm. start training for, but I needed a, a long-term goal that was huge for me. Yeah. That, that was something. It, it's the way my brain functions. I, I have to have. I have no, to. I understand that. I have to continuously be striving to do something. Um, so for me, it was. I want to do something big. It needs to be sporting and challenging and needs to challenge my limits but if I'm going to do something so big then I want to use it as a platform to raise awareness of in particular endometriosis because it does impact so many women and girls particularly in the UK and um, encourage young women and girls to have their cervical smear tests because I was one of those girls um, that didn't have my tests. I was always making excuses. I would, yeah. I'd be traveling, or oh, the the wait at the doctors is too long, or yeah, the, there was always an excuse. And one in three women have that excuse in mm. the UK, and we don't go for those tests. And I I had cervical cancer, and I didn't know. Um, and it is a preventable cancer if it is, um, discovered early. So if, if it's discovered early, then you don't, I was in one way, I was exceptionally fortunate because, because of the surgery that I had, um, that actually for the stage cancer that I had, which was stage one B, um, I had already had the treatment. And I didn't know I had it. So in that respect, I was very fortunate, but equally very stupid because I should have known about it. And I would have known Mm. about it if I'd have had my cervical smear tests. It's it's amazing what you're doing, raising the awareness, because people do need to need to get your smear tests, go to the doctor if something's wrong, because they're there to help. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, And I think that's that's absolutely brilliant what you've done there. And uh, so, uh, moving on from quite the quite the, the quite the conversation. So, have you got any future challenges you you plan on doing now? I have, yes. So I've got um, another edition of Sea to Summit this year. Awesome. Fingers crossed. If obviously it's currently subject to um, yeah. lockdown rules and regulations and what we can and can't do. Um, so this year I'm planning to swim the three longest lakes in England, so in Wales, England and Scotland. So nice. swim a lake in Wales, the lake in England, the lake in Scotland, run the three highest peaks in each of those countries, which is traditionally yeah. the three peaks challenge. Yeah. And cycle all of the bits in between so <laughs> so basically I, if i haven't got the exact numbers um but i think it's 68 in total it's about 68 kilometers swimming just over 800 
5k cycling and then the three peaks challenge yeah all in five days again that's incredible that's uh, (laughs) it that is absolutely nuts and i'll tell you what like the whole re i say in every episode but people get bored of it but i say every time like the reason i do this is to speak to people who sort of do these challenges inspire inspire myself really inspire anyone who's listening to go and do some do some great things and that's just absolutely mad but i I am in (laughs) awe and I, i would i'd like to be able to get to that stage where i can do that but I mean, I went for for a run for the first time in ages yesterday. I could hardly walk today, and it wasn't, it wasn't even that far. So I mean, I'm a bit of a way off from there. But... No, no. But the, the the important thing is, and I I say this all the time, and I I don't yeah I genuinely mean this. Everything is is very relative. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has different challenges. Everybody. You know, for for example, um, and if my sister listens to this, she'll probably kill me for saying it. But you know, for her to run a 5k would be an immense you know, challenge, and we, and we would yeah. we would all be super proud of her doing that. So I, it's one of my biggest pet hates, or I don't know if pet hates is the right way of saying it. But when people say, "Oh, I could never do that," it's so, but that yeah. doesn't. But you can do other things. You know, it's that's it. It's it's you can't compare yourself to other people no, because no. they're they're someone else, and you you can only sort of do what you can do as such. Exactly. No, exactly. That's, that's very but true. This, so, but I'm, this year, as part of the challenge that I'm doing, hopefully, um, then I'm also planning to open it up as a global challenge where people can sign up to do different parts of it in your own environment so if for example you just want to challenge yourself to swim eight kilometers which is the first the distance of the first lake if you want Mm. to challenge yourself to swim that over the month of august then you would sign up um, and by sign up it's not a it's not an event as in a corporate money-making event. Yeah. It'll be subject to, um, you can choose to make a donation to my charity. Um, yeah. So that effectively, yeah, I just want as many people to challenge themselves and you know, create their own mini epic or create their own challenge. So that's I, excellent. I think we can get people I'm glad involved. you said that because I think I'm gonna. I'll do that myself. I might sign up to one of those and uh, do awesome. my own little run or something. <laughs> Good. So, would you um, have any tips for people who want to to get into some outdoor pursuits as such? Um, I think for for me, it's not necessarily a tip, but more. Don't ever think that you you know that you're not able to do something. It's yeah, if you and like we just said, don't compare yourself to other people. So don't for don't think that if you want to go out tomorrow and for you individually it's it's a challenge to walk a kilometer or walk two kilometers, do it. Don't don't care what other people, you know, no one's judging you, or they shouldn't be. Mm. And if they are, then they should, you know, 
have more things to think about and maybe definitely they're clearly very but, bored they've yeah, got nothing exactly. more interesting to worry about <laughs> exactly but I, no I, I think my biggest my biggest tip or advice is you know just set yourself a goal um that is achievable for you that's you know it's a challenge you know always make sure that it's a challenge but that is achievable and go for it um you know make make it happen and don't don't compare yourself to others and don't worry about you know, what other people think just mm. you you go for it no, yourself. I think that's very true very true just it doesn't matter what other people think and then finally before we go I mean we slightly covered it already but how can how can people sort of follow you and support what you're doing so I have my website, which is um, com. everything, nice. all information is is on my website. My Instagram is ctosummitextreme, but again, you can see that on on the website. I'm will be in the next couple of weeks putting out all of my charity details again so that we can start building some momentum around that and yeah. just getting involved um you know sharing letting people know what it's about most importantly for me it is the 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 raising awareness um of endometriosis and ensuring that young women and girls have their cervical smear tests so anything that i post you know sharing that making sure that we're we're getting that awareness out um mm. yeah and i think that's really and getting involved once i launch the the global challenge um signing up getting involved and and challenging yourself that's excellent and i hope people do that and i certainly will i'll get i'll get involved in any way i can and when i see you've shared your charity details i'll share it on my page and everything like that so Amazing. thank this, you this is just th- thank you very much for coming on and, no problem thank uh, say you bye for to the me. listeners Cheers. Thank you. Now, what an absolutely incredible woman. She has taken on the world. Well, not quite the world, but you know what I mean. That was absolutely massive achievement. And if if I was to do anything close to that, I would be buzzing. That's for sure. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and get onto her website and donate to her charity because it's a really worthwhile cause. That's all from me. Bye.